This is the Audi Diary of the 30th day of the 11th month of year 2021. I just wanted to retell a little bit of the story around the um, my move to Korea and how crazy all of that was because I don't think I've had a chance to properly retell that story or even reflect to myself really about all of this process. It's the end of November and I moved in the month um, near the end of uh, September. So it's been a while and I think this is just right about the time um, that I should really get to reflect. So yeah. Um, so all, you know, I think the entire month of um, September was really filled with me trying to figure out what on earth was happening and just there was a lot of things I was worrying about in terms of move while still trying to navigate everything associated with work. Um, I have to get a visa to come to South Korea. Yes, I'm ethnically Korean. I have a family in Korea. That doesn't mean that I have a Korean citizenship. So I needed to get a visa to come to Korea and that process is unfortunately incredibly stressful and complicated during the pandemic uh, because, you know, countries just don't want you to come, simply put. Um, and they've made it intentionally quite difficult to get a visa. Uh, and so it was a very complicated process. Um, I think I, I stressed about it just daily. Um, I ended up uh, applying for the visa a little bit too late because of misinformation, basically. I misread or misunderstood. I, I read all the instructions on the Korean consulate's website several times, but I just misunderstood what they meant. Um, not to mention that instructions were changing constantly, policies were changing constantly. So back in, I believe, July or August, uh, Korean government announced that they were going to re, you know, revive the old policy that uh, foreigners from countries that they had an agree mutual agreement with could come in visa-free for an, up to 90 days in, their, in the country. They were going to revive this agreement. Uh, so at the so that was so I was thinking okay I'll just do that I'll just arrive in Canada or arrive in Korea as a Canadian citizen visa free uh, just as I I would have been able to um, pre pandemic and then apply for a long term residence visa when I after I've arrived in the country because that's a simpler process. Now the problem is um, in, at near the end of August. Uh, the Korean government kind of announced the Paul made an announcement and put an asterisk around that saying that they weren't reviving this agreement with every country. But that asterisk wasn't available back in July and August when I decided, okay, I'm not going to apply for a visa. So, <laughs> uh, and I had already booked my ticket in September. I had already kind of, you know, set my mind on leaving in September. Um, and I was really stressed about whether or not to give leave of notice uh, because I need to give 30 days notice to my landlord um, or, or I wouldn't get my, you know, I wouldn't, I would potentially have to spend a lot of money on rent and there were all these financial implications associated with it. And I was also kind of eager to leave the country. So all things put together, um, I decided to leave um yeah it, it it was a very stressful process trying to get a visa i ended up going to the korean consulate um, in vancouver i believe 
two to three times and every single time receiving booking an appointment to get into the consulate is very stressful. At one point, I had to line up at 6.30 a.m. to get an appointment that day of. Uh, and so they, they start opening their doors and start accepting people at nine. Um, but in order to get an appointment that day, I, you know, they, they need, they decide on all their appointments that they're going to accept the day of at 8 a.m. in the morning and they start accepting appointments at 9 a.m. And so, yeah. And so there was a lineup at 6.30, um, to get an appointment that day. That was how stressful and complicated it was just to even be able to sit down and and talk to somebody and submit my application. Um, It ended up being that uh, I did manage to leave the house and move out of the house, but I didn't get my visa on time. I got my, I was moved, I moved out on the 17th um, and I was supposed to um, and I got my visa, I believe, on the Monday or the Tuesday after. So, yeah, it was a painful, painful, painful process. Um, during that process, there were people who were very gracious and kind to me, um, including um, my good church friend um, and who opened up their home to me so that I could stay with them for a week before um, leaving. Uh, because, you know, I had nowhere to go. I had to move out of my current apartment. Um, but I didn't have my flight until like a week later. And then there was the whole confusing COVID testing process associated with everything. And I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to um, just skip the quarantine. I, I am fully vaccinated. So that was the policy is that if you can prove that you've got two shots of a valid vaccine, you didn't have, and and you had a negative COVID test before you got on the plane and after you you um, after you arrived in the country, that you could skip the two week quarantine. Um, but just all of it, all of this was incredibly stressful. Now, if this was going to be so much stress, why did I decide to come to Korea? Um, this is related to. You know, an ongoing um, decision or, or, or an urge and a desire to reconnect with my family. So all of my immediate family, my mother, my father, and my older sister, all live in Korea. They're Korean citizens. They're culturally very Korean, even though they have spent different parts of their lives in Canada. Uh, but they are still, for all, for all purposes, um, Korean and they consider themselves Korean, um, legally, culturally, ethnically, all of, in all of those ways, right? Um, and so I've had a massive disconnect with my family. Um, some of it was intentional at different points, and I wanted to reconnect and rebuild, and uh, that was a part of my healing process. And so I also felt like this like this was a something that was weighing down upon me and in order for my relationship with my God to grow, my relationship with myself to kind of just overcome this fundamental hump was to recover my relationship with my family and I wanted to be there to support them in various different ways. Um, and so I did. I, I did. I, I worked with them. Um, I, you know, discussed with them 
Um, and I decided to come to Korea so that I could live with them for maybe a year or two. Um, and we, I, we just had this, all this arrangement worked out. Uh, and I was going to work online and also study and kind of do all of my professional things online based on the time zone that I could. And the rest of it, I would work, live in Korea and spend a lot of time so that I could spend, you know, the everyday time where you're not doing something specifically. There's all these in-between times, whether it be meals, um, just walks, you go into the bank, just... It's just easier to even be on a phone call. You just share a common reality when you actually live in the same country and in the same region that you can't and then you don't. If you've ever had an international relationship, but internationally split family, you understand. It's, yeah, there's something very powerful um, and connecting about, you know, being in the same country, you know, sharing the same reality, sharing the same weather. Um, and so I was pretty worried and excited for this process. I also haven't lived in Korea like this for years since I was in eighth grade. Um, my first time living in Korea long term. Uh, and also I wasn't coming in as a visitor, but actually coming in trying to start a community. I have to set up my phone number. I'm trying to set up my bank account right now and go through all these administrative hurdles. It's my first time being an adult in this country. Um, and it's my first time coming back here with all the tools, the viewpoints, experiences I've had in the past decade or so, um, and coming back with quite new perspectives. Uh, so here I am. So yeah, that's all of the things that were happening. Um, and I wanted to, I had this kind of arrogant mindset that you know, look at me, I'm living, I'm so emotionally mature, um, I'm so resilient, I've, I, I, I'm such positive influence on people, so obviously if I go and live with my family, they'll be positively affected by me. Um, so I thought, like, I had to sacrifice myself. Um, and I think there was that, that arrogant side of me, which sounds ridiculous. I mean, I, and I think there's some truth to it. I still think there's some, some truth to it. The truth is that I do come with a whole new set of perspectives that are very different from the way the rest of my family lives and thinks and works and operates. And I think that freshness, I'm sure, um, can be a positive kind of addition. Um, and I think, you know, a family that was split apart, that's beginning to reconnect, is always going to hopefully be positive influence on every member of the family um and i and i'm sure there's things that others can learn learn from me uh because we're so different i'm sure there's strengths that i bring that they can learn from but i also think that there's weaknesses uh that i'm really learning from my family um and 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 i'm learning from them as much as i am giving if not more um, if not learning more. So anyway, um, yeah, that's a very, very kind of big, broad strokes overview of um, kind of the process that I've been going through um, administratively, emotionally, and yeah. So anyway, 
Um, so I, my original flight was on the, on September 18th, but I actually, because my flight, I postponed it by a week. I ended up coming on September 25th. And then I spent the next couple of days just adjusting to the new time zone. Um, I was technically sort of under quarantine at that time because I was still waiting for my new, uh, my second COVID test upon arrival to the results to come out. And it did. I, you know, managed to actually fit in a wonderful hike um, to the first national park in Korea that I'd ever been to um, during my kind of my first real week there, which is at Bukhansan. It's the national park that's actually within Seoul boundaries. Um, it was stunning and beautiful. And then ever since, it's really been. Um, I've spent, you know, that was pretty much the first uh, last week of September. So from then on, my October and my November was spent on um, a lot of work, just work, uh, doing work, stressing about work. <laughs> um, I've also managed to fit in a fair bit of travel, and I will make sure to uh, dedicate proper, um, you know, dedicate uh, episode uh, an audio diary episode about the actual national park travels and all of that. Um, but as a whole, I've managed to fit in after that la first hike in Pukantan National Park, I've managed to fit in three other trips to three other national parks and one other trip to, it's not a national park, but it's still, uh, I think it's kind of like a regional recreational area, which was just, you know, just as stunning. So I've managed to fit in a fair bit of travel, some of it, um, uh, some of it with my one with my mother, one with my friend, a couple with uh, meetup groups. So I'm trying to make new friends here. So it was all of that. Um, it was also navigating a lot of administrative barriers, to be honest. It took me a really long time, I think like six to seven weeks to actually get identification um, to apply for a long-term residence visa and get my actual identity card here, which was the thing that allows me to do anything. Um, it's very frustrating in Korea. It's a very digitized and kind of blockchain operating country uh, where any service for anything whatsoever all kind of operates on the web. Um, but my if when you don't have an identity like a digital identity you can't participate in any of those things so it's very frustrating it was very frustrating because i didn't get my identity card until mid-november um and yeah but i did get a visa and i actually got a visa for one more year than i expected which i'm very thankful for uh, that entire admin process of getting a visa was really really confusing about where do i even go to apply and the instructions and the documents that I needed to prepare, it was very unclear. <laughs> um, I, I, I can read Korean and it's still very unclear. And some of the English translations on these websites are very confusing. Uh, and then even when I applied, when I, so I read all the instructions on the government website. I thought I prepared everything. I actually showed up and they still requested things that I didn't know I needed to bring on the, on, on the day of. And it was very, again, stressful. Thankfully, they managed to accept my application as is with missing documents, and they just said, "When the when you actually pick up your identity card, please 
submit these rest of these documents. And so that's what I did. And finally, in mid-November, I got my uh, visa uh, and also my identity card. And I have three years from uh, from the October date that I applied for the visa. I have three years that I can stay in here. Um, but I'm not. My current visa is that I can't do economic activities. So, for example, I couldn't invest in a business here. I couldn't get a job here. Um, and the assumption is that I am either provided for by economically, financially provided for my, by my family, or I'm bringing income from elsewhere, which is what's happening. So yeah, it it was a bit of a administrative kind of complete time stuff and a bit of a black hole. Uh, but finally, that's resolved. It was it's been so frustrating trying to get a phone number here, uh, but I managed to do that. So that was a big accomplishment. My next accomplishment is to try and get a um, <clears throat> to try and get a bank account. And today. I walked into a local bank asking, you know, I have my ID card and can I set up a bank account? And no, I actually need to bring my passport, which I didn't know because, as, right, you know, once you're actually in the country, your national identity card is more important than your passport. Um, so I was surprised that they needed it, but I said, okay, I'll bring it. And I also need a valid reason or an objective a reason why I create a bank account. I can't just create a bank account. Um, so I, for example, need to register that I'm going to pay for my phone bill or, or I need some kind of expense attached to it. So I can't just have an empty bank account. And I think, and they, this policy is to prevent a lot of money laundering and fake bank accounts. You know, it needs to be tied to kind of ordinary business activities that one would do. Um, and you can't just have empty accounts or, or accounts where just money just sitting there and you're not doing anything with it. Um, and so I'm not even allowed to start a bank account. And in fact, I need to actually change my registered address because um, I, I moved once while I was in Korea. I think I mentioned that before uh, from my parent, uh, from my sister's house, to my family's, uh, my parents' house. And so I'm not allowed to set up a bank account at a bank that's not close to, I, I need to set it up at a branch that's close to my registered address. So I didn't know that. Um, so administrative barrier after another. Um, I, I am complaining quite a lot, aren't I? But there's also massive benefits and really enjoyable things that I've had um, understanding this process. First of all, it's given me so much more empathy um, for the difficulties of expat life and it's given me a lot of you know insight into how frankly closed off uh, South Korea still is to foreigners even though life has become so much better uh, for foreigners in the past decade or so than before where it was just life was impossible um, but still is very difficult and 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 I guess as a foreigner, you notice things more acutely uh, because you don't have expectations and you don't assume that this is how things always are. Uh, so everything about these policies, these 
structures, the infrastructure is all new to me and I'm just noticing quite a lot. And it's given me a lot of insight into just and into what actually Canada is um, and into how different Canada is. And, and, and it actually makes me question all the things I took for granted as this is normal. Things are not necessarily normal, for better or for worse, um, in various ways. And that's been pretty much my experience of sort of becoming an expat in my own country, if I can even say that it's my own country. But it is definitely my country of heritage, uh, my family here. Um, and in some ways, yeah, Korea is my country, uh, even though legally I'm obviously a foreigner. And so just navigating all that has been has been very, very interesting. Um, I'm sure I'll have more things uh, to share with you about life in Korea. Uh, it's been an exciting, really exciting journey. And I think these stories, I, I also think life in Korea and South Korea in general is actually a really undertold story, despite the popularity of popular culture, um, Korean popular culture, I think it's not a, as um, in the English spoken world. I don't think Korean life is something that's discussed as much or, or is as familiar as life in Japan, life in Britain, life in China, life in wherever. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot of mystery around it. So it, I, I'm discovering that there are lots of mysteries too, uh, even though, like I said, this is my country of heritage. Um, yeah, so, so I, I really would love to share my journey with you. Um, and I'm trying to be better about recording more audio diaries, uh, more diligently. And I'm trying to get back into the practice of um, having these reflective moments during my day. Uh, but as you can tell, my past uh, September, October, November, past three months have been pretty hectic. So I just could not add another ball into the air that I had to juggle or another thing to my to-do list. But now that life is a bit settled, I feel comfortable in this new town and this new house and new community. Obviously, there's still hurdles I have to overcome, but as a whole, I do feel pretty settled and I have a bit of a routine now. Uh, I feel comfortable to kind of pick up and add habits, try to work on self-improvement, uh, it's a bit of a time for reflection and not just doing. Not to mention the end of the year is always a great time for reflection uh, because you get a bit of a break and winter and hibernation and all those things like that. So, yeah, I'm going to try and take a lot of time to reflect. Um, I did upload all of the overdue diaries that I had from before. Um, and I will try to fill in the blanks if that's one way to put it, kind of fill in the blanks uh, between the audio diaries of, um, and maybe tell a bit more detailed tales of some of the, uh, especially these some of the more nature-oriented adventures that I've had since, um, that I've kind of skipped or glossed over. So I'll share more about them as we go. And thanks always for listening and talk to you soon.